Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Man, you can really take off. And that's really hard. That's hard for me because I just want to work for properties and, and go, go after a property. But there's a lot of things you got to do to prepare yourself to be able to take down it. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about their pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E, you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today we'll be speaking with Lee Yoder. Lee, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, Theo. It's a real honor to be on you guys' podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. A little bit about Lee. He's a full-time physical therapist and part-time real estate investor. Been investing for about two and a half years, and his portfolio consists of 34 units between a 16-unit, a 10-unit, and an 8-unit. He's based in Lebanon, Ohio, and you can say hi to him at his website, threefoldrei.com, and then three is, is spelled out, so T-H-R-E-E-F-O-L-D-R-E-I.com. So, Lee, do you mind telling us some more about your background and what you're focused on today? Yeah, so I started out in physical therapy, man, about... Time flies. I guess it's been like eight years ago. Got out, was doing that. Got into home health physical therapy. It was great schedule-wise. My wife really enjoyed me having such a flexible schedule and being home. We had young kids, but it was extremely boring and unfulfilling for me. So actually, through physical therapy, got into the corporate side and was a clinical director for a company and, and started building a division for that company based around the home health physical therapy. So I was managing all the therapists between Cincinnati, Columbus, and Dayton. So at that point, I'm really enjoying my work. But now I have no flexibility and my wife's really struggling raising the young kids by herself most of the time. So that didn't really work either. So I kind of stumbled upon real estate through a friend, read the rich dad, poor dad, like a lot of people do and, and thought, okay, well, maybe I can go back to doing home health, physical therapy. So have more flexibility, more time at home, but so I don't get bored. So I'm not unfulfilled. I can get into real estate. So that's what I did about three years ago. Well, I left about four years ago, but it didn't really get started in real estate until three years ago. So left and I took a big pay cut. I was, like I said, a clinical director, kind of moving toward a director of operations role, making north of six figures and left and was not making that in in home health physical therapy. But I had a lot of freedom, a lot of flexibility, still had the stability of a full-time job, but was able to really jump into real estate. So like I said, I did that about three years ago, kind of started like a lot of people, did a flip, flipped a duplex, had some lenders in that for a little bit, but didn't hang on to that very long. And then about a year and a half ago, well, come up on two years ago, I joined the Cincinnati RIA. Cincinnati RIA has an apartment syndication focus group led by Mark Hutton, who does an awesome job. I think you guys just recently had him on your show, but he kind of became a mentor to me. Meanwhile, I'm always reading and listening to podcasts and everything, so learning it and just knowing that I really want to get into the multifamily space. So Mark helped me a lot and just started underwriting deals. And yeah, about a, well, not even quite a year ago, I put in an offer and then started moving forward and was able to purchase the 16, 8, and 10 unit kind of in in rapid succession all last fall. So did all that and basically spent the last year really bringing those around because two of the three were significant value add properties. So just kind of been working on those and really the past several months, really most of this year since I had this, um, really trying to get the apartment syndication business Mm -hmm. like kind of more formalized and, and really try to build out a business to go after a little bit bigger properties, bring on more investors, kind of follow Joe Fairless's blueprint. Just kind of going through his book and trying to follow that blueprint and take a step up a little bit. So that's what I'm trying to do now. Thanks for sharing that. Was that the order that they were purchased? 16, 10, 8? Or the, so 16, 16, 8, 10. 8, okay. 10, yep. And you, you bought all those really quickly? Yeah. Did you syndicate those or was that your own money? No, it wasn't my own money, but we just kind of did a joint venture, simple LLC with close friends and family. So just okay. a couple people in each one. They're smaller Smaller properties, pretty low purchase price. So just two or three people on each deal. Which of those was the hardest deal? 
Probably the hardest was the first. Okay, so first deal's the hardest. Let's start from the beginning. So did you pursue certain size deals based off of how much money you knew you could partner with? Or did you find the deal first and then find the money? Kind of find the deal first. I really went after everything. I mean, I was looking up to 100 units, even though I really would have really struggled to raise the money for something like that back then. But then looking all the way down to six or eight, I really did want to be commercial. I really wanted to go after the commercial property. So wasn't looking at anything too small. Kind of thought between the 10 and 20 unit range was where I wanted to be. Was looking at stuff bigger, but I kind of figured, man, I'll just find the deal and then I'll go take the rest on from there one step at a time. Mm -hmm, Perfect. So you identified the size of deals you wanted to look into. How are you generating leads? You know, I really wasn't, Theo. I was just doing it the lazy way, just looking online. So all three of my deals were listed. Two of them I found on LoopNet. And then one was really listed by more of a residential realtor. And that one was just on the MLS. And a buddy of mine actually found that Been telling him about investing for a while. And he wanted to get into it with me. So he sent that to me the day it was listed because it was a friend of his that listed it. And he's like, hey, what about this one? It was a great deal. So yeah, I found them all online. So you would just go to LoopNet every day just to see what the new deals were. What was your original process for initially screening the deals? Because I imagine you first go on LoopNet, there's 100 deals. Outside of the unit size, what were some of the other things you were doing to quickly eliminate some deals and then figure out which ones to focus more on? And then once you did that, what did you do to focus more on those? I didn't have a good screening process at the time. Through the apartment syndication focus group here in Cincinnati, Mark shared with us an underwriting tool. And it's a pretty quick underwriting tool. I use Joe's as well. And Joe's is much more in depth. So the one that Mark shared with us, you can fill out pretty easily. And a big part of what I was trying to do was get practice underwriting. So I was really using the underwriting tool on a lot of deals and just run them through there. And it's just a quick, here's what the income is and figure on expenses being about 50%. What kind of loan do you think you're going to get? Here's your NOI, here's your cash flow after you pay the mortgage, it gives you like a break even number. So here's basically how poorly you can do on the property and still break even. So just kind of a really quick underwriting tool, but I was doing that on most of them. And the more you do that deal, I would start to be able to look at deals and just really quick in my head, you can do a quick income times 95% because you want to figure 5% vacancy, divide that in half and then divide by a cap rate that you're looking for. So just even doing that real quick with deals. I mean, I would love to own in Cincinnati, but so many deals I would look at in Cincinnati is like, wow, this is a six cap. That's not good enough for me. I don't have the money already. I'm trying to create wealth, not just put my wealth into a property like the guys who are buying it four or five cap or whatever. They're just looking for a place to, to put money sometimes, but I was looking for a better deal than that. So I could just do a quick, quick underwriting and just like, is that going to be a good enough return for me? And then we able to cross off most deals like that. And then once you found this 16 unit deal, it passed that initial screening and you knew that this is the one, then what happened? Did you negotiate nope. the price and then pursue money and then start finding the team that's going to manage it? Walk us through that point up until the close. I was doing some networking, but really it was, I guess I'm kind of a jump and build the parachute on the way down type of guy. So I talked with Mark about it. Mark helped me a lot. I actually brought him in on that first deal with me. He didn't bring any money into the deal, but he had done so much to help me. So I gave him a piece of the deal to to continue to help me out with it. But I made an offer. They were asking 440,000 for that. And Mark kind of taught me and others as well. If it doesn't make sense at that number, what number does it make sense at? So made an offer at 350. We kind of went back and forth a little bit, but we just stuck to that number. It had been online for a year and a half. They'd had it under contract a couple of times, fell out both times. So you can imagine these sellers were just really ready to sell. So we just held to our guns there at 350 and they came down to our price. 
So at that point it got real. And then I started getting really serious about what property management company would manage it for me. Cause I knew I didn't want to manage my own properties and just started getting quotes on stuff really quick. As we got the inspector out there, he had a lot of connections. So I would just encourage people as you're going down that path, if you kind of force yourself into it, you're going to come up with a lot of the team members that you need as you get into it. Suddenly the broker that I'm buying from, I wasn't working with a broker, but the broker that I'm buying from, he's giving me referrals. Well, Hey, use this property management company. And then Mark as well. He was kind of a mentor of mine. So he was giving me a lot of referrals, but really kind of did that as we went along through the inspection period. So the management company and the inspector, all the people came through your connection with Mark. Yeah. Mark had a connection with the property management company, but the selling broker recommended the same one. But yeah, Mark referred me to the inspector. What was the original list price? 440, 440,000. 440. I thought you had 140. I was like, wait, 140 for a 16 unit? So it was originally 440 and then you said 350. Okay, sorry. Yep. Um, so yep. no problem. what about the money for the deal? Actually, just, just one money partner and it was a close family member. My in-laws actually brought the money down for that deal. So it was just me, close family and, and Mark on that deal. How did that come to be? Did they know about this beforehand? Did you just call up and say, hey, I need $100,000. What do you say? And then how did that conversation work? Were they the only people you talked to or did you talk to other people? Maybe walk us through the money raising process from your perspective. Sure. I had been talking to a lot of people about real estate. So this was about two years into my real estate investing career. So I flipped a single family home and flipped the duplex. So my in-laws were actually involved quite a bit on the single family and had loaned us some money on that just because the HELOC we were using didn't come through issue with the bank. But anyway, they kind of accidentally got into that with us. We paid them a little bit of a return. So they kind of saw like, wow, you know, they've never done anything like this. So for them, it was like, okay, kind of get this real estate thing. My father-in-law is very handy. So he likes doing stuff like that. So they kind of saw the power of it. We didn't use them on the duplex and they were kind of like, why didn't you use this on us? We thought we'd invest with you again. And my wife said, well, you know, we got the HELOC now, so we don't need it. Well, so they were kind of getting some interest. So again, yeah, I didn't have the money raised up front. So I got it under contract, I'm talking to people about it. I'm talking to my in-laws about it. And they just said, well, you know, why don't you just let us bring the money for the deal? So they had just kind of gotten interested in real estate, kind of saw the power of it. They had done a really good job saving their money and decided they wanted to invest with us. So yeah, it was pretty organic. Perfect. And so you said that this was the hardest deal. So it was just hard because you kind of had to do everything on the fly or is there something else that happened that made it a difficult deal? Well, half of it was hard because it was my first one because I didn't have all the connections. So as soon as I got done with the first one, I felt very comfortable offering on another one. I felt like, man, I got the property management lined up. I got my inspector lined up. I got the lending lined up. Just so many different things. And I just felt more confident about, okay, if, if the numbers look good to me, then it's good. I know it's going to work out. And it's just not such an intimidating process once you've done it once. So that was part of it, why the first one was harder. And then it, it needed a whole new roof. It's an old school building. So it's kind of a weird building. It's a huge building for 16 units and it needed a lot of work. So there were a lot of common areas, big hallways, a lobby, and, and they needed totally gutted and redone. There were three vacant units when we got it. A couple of people moved out pretty quickly after we got it because we increased rent by $25 just to ask for a utility bill back because we actually pay all utilities, including cable. We pay everything. But we also cracked down on smoking in the building. So we lost a couple of tenants pretty quickly. So first few months were okay. After that, more people moved out and we really lost a lot. So we weren't planning on making much money in the first year, but we basically made zero in our first year. So yeah, it was kind of a long process to turn it around. Did you fund the renovation costs? Was that included in the loan or was that extra no, money you got? Yeah, it was included in the money that my family brought to the deal. Okay. So they cover the down payment for the loan and then all of the renovations. Correct. Okay. So they bought this deal, was it two years ago? No, almost a year ago. Okay, so, so where's the deal at now? 
We're renovating one unit right now. We're almost done with it. We just had, had let a tenant go. So we have 15 of the 16 full. The 16th is almost fully rehabbed. In fact, I think they put the flooring in yesterday. It probably would take yesterday and today. So we'll be trying to get that one rented out and we'll be full. We've raised rents for everybody, like I said, due to $25 bill back, but we've actually turned over seven of the units. And on those units, we're getting anywhere from a 70 to a $90 rent premium when we nice. remodel the unit and put new tenants in them. So on 70 units, we've got that kind of a rent premium. There's a cafeteria in it. Like I said, it's an old school and there's several cafeteria and we have a church renting out that space. So they're paying 60 nice. bucks a week for that space. Yeah. We've turned a couple offices and different things into storage. So we really brought the value of it up and we actually have it listed for sale right now. Awesome. Well, congrats. Yeah, and, thank you. And, and thanks for walking us through all the details. Yeah. The reason why I did that is because it is your first deal. And I like going through the first deal with people so that people listening who haven't done a deal before realize that when most people do their first deals, they don't really know what they're doing. So it ends up working out if you continuously grind, if you have the right team, if you have the right people around you and you have the right mindset. So thank you for sharing that. So Lee, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? With all the books that I've read, everything I've learned, I like to say that I think you have to have a, a mix between the 10X rule, which is Grant Cardone's thing, and then Darren Hardy's The Compound Effect. He wrote that book because Grant Cardone just talks about like 10Xing your dreams. I actually never read the book. I understand the concept. And, and that part's pretty easy for me. I don't have trouble dreaming big and thinking like, okay, maybe I could own 100 properties. But a lot of people, I think, struggle with that part. If you struggle with that part, I think you got to get your mind wrapped around. There's a lot more possible than, than what you may think. So you got to think a little bigger, 10X your dreams. If you think the most you could ever do is own one house, well, 10X that and, and at least think that maybe you could own 10 properties. And then I think after that though, Theo, the compound effect talks about just taking consistent action. And it's like the small things that you have to do over a long period of time to build up the momentum to eventually see this exponential growth and you really take off. I don't know your story as well, Theo. Joe to me is like an incredible example of that. So many guys that get into the apartment syndication space or just the multifamily space in general, it takes a long time to get that first deal. But that whole time you're building connections, you're improving your underwriting process and your abilities to underwrite deals. You're talking to people, you're slowly raising money. And then suddenly you finally get that deal. You're ready for it. You take down that first deal. Michael Blanc talks about the law of the first deal. That was certainly true for me. You get that first deal. Suddenly you know, the second one kind of comes to you in rapid succession. And then you're off to the races because you've done these consistent things, processes, procedures, all these things you've done over the past sometimes year, year and a half for some guys to get to that. But then, man, you can really take off. And that's really hard. That's hard for me because I just want to look for properties and, and go, go after a property. But there's a lot of things you got to do to prepare yourself to be able to take down it, especially a bigger property. So I'm exactly. just kind of working through that now. Awesome. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, first, a quick word from our sponsor. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Are you looking to get started in multifamily investing or looking to grow your portfolio? Nathan Tabor has created an online course that is slammed with incredibly useful and practical information. Check it out at apartments.nathantabor.com. Okay, besides the 10X rule book and the compound effect book, which you've already mentioned, what is the best ever book you've recently read? I've got to say recently, Theo, it really is the best ever apartment syndication book. Got it here. Joe wrote, when I decided I really wanted to move forward with the apartment syndication route and go after some bigger properties, 
I got that book, and it, to me, it's a textbook. I recently partnered up with the guy I used to work with in the, on the corporate side, and, and he's uh, partnering with me on the apartment syndication stuff. And I told him to read it. I said, man, just go through this. It's a textbook. You're going to learn so much. So if anybody's serious about getting into the apartment syndication, I would highly recommend that book. It shouldn't be like your first book if you're looking to get into real estate because it's next level stuff, I think. Some of it's a little bit beyond me still. But if you understand real estate, you want to do an apartment syndication. That's a great, great book. I love it when that's the best ever book. Thank you. So (laughs) if your business were to collapse today, what would you do next? If I can stay in real estate, like if if I suddenly couldn't try to syndicate anymore, couldn't go after multifamily properties, I would probably go back to flipping. My wife and I, we actually just finished up a flip a few months ago. We really enjoy doing it together. We really enjoy having the kids join in. They're still a little bit young. They're six and four, but they're getting closer to being able to, where we kind of do it as a family. So I would probably go back to flipping houses with my family. Out of all the deals you've done, what's been the best ever deal? So the best ever deal would have been the 16 unit that we talked about because I was able to purchase that for 350000 We were able to negotiate. I didn't talk about this. We bought it for three fifty, but we actually negotiated the sellers bringing $100,000 cash back at closing because it needed a new roof and a ton of other stuff. And they were able to see the building was kind of falling apart. They were going to have to help us. We put some back into it to bring it around. So we got that. I did put a little bit more into it. We used some of the cash flow. So we probably put 45 into it. But at any rate, we're into it for under four. And um, we're, we're, we got it for sale for 700 right now. Wow. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Recently, my wife and I have really enjoyed involving our kids and giving back to our residents. So having kids often makes you, I would think makes most people want to kind of be the best version of yourself because you want your kids to become the best version of themselves. So it's really inspired us to show them how we can share Jesus's love and, and the blessing that we've been given to bless our residents with those. So for Christmas, we handed out like a little Christmas gift to all of our residents. Just because of COVID, we handed out a gift card to all of our residents. And our kids are the ones that will put those on their doorstep and stuff. So being able to do that for our residents, it, it, it's fun and we like it, but it, it's fun to involve our kids in that for them to see that as well. And then lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? So you mentioned my website already. I appreciate that. Threefoldrei.com. We've got some free resources there, like a sample deal package. And I tell people about on the website how I paid 0% taxes on the 16 unit that I'm going to sell, how I'm making that work out. But you can email us at info, I-N-F-O, at threefoldrei.com. And then you can call us at 937-400-3044. And then actually, Theo, I have a podcast that I just started focusing mostly on multifamily, but also on faith and family aspect. And my podcast is called Threefold Real Estate Investment. Perfect. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see his logo behind him right now. All right, Lee, well, I appreciate it. I enjoyed our conversation. Besides the takeaway I mentioned right after we talked about your first deal, which is that a lot of the times people don't really know what they're doing on their first deal. I was like that. Most people I've spoken to are like that. And so if you haven't done a deal before, don't allow the thought that you don't know enough or analysis by paralysis stop you from doing a deal. As long as you, again, have the right mindset and the right team, you'll be able to figure it out along the way. The other interesting thing you said was about your job right in the beginning, where you said that you were making more money at your previous job. And Mm -hmm. I was going to keep doing that, kept making more and more money growing that part of your career. But you realized that you weren't able to spend as much time doing what else you wanted to do with your life. And so you took a step back. I took a pay cut, went back to the more flexible, what you, you called it the boring job, and then mm-hmm. were able to use your extra time to spend with your family as well as do real estate. So I think the lesson there is that 
if you want to get in the real estate, because I actually just talked to someone who <laughs> kind of did the opposite of what you did. He had his full-time job. He started doing real estate on the side and then ended up getting fired <laughs> because he wasn't oh, spending enough time. So I think the better solution is to find out a way to either get a new job or just do something that you're going to be able to do while you're building up your real estate career. Obviously, if people have been fired, they've quit and had it work out, but I think this strategy is a little bit, <laughs> a little bit safer, and I'll probably recommend that strategy. And then thirdly, your best ever advice, which is to find the balance between the 10x rule and then the kind of slow compound effect. You don't have to just do one or the other. You can keep both in mind and realize that you need to set these big goals, but you also need to realize that if you continuously grind over time, you're going to see that compound effect, that exponential yep. growth. So yep. thank you, Lee, for joining us. Appreciate it again. Best ever listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.